Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know, I think all the talk about Bill possibly being fired if they lose this game, it, I think is utterly ridiculous. Now, we did talk in the last podcast about like, I think the, you know, the only possible outcome where Bill doesn't have his job after this week is if he if he just takes one for the team, takes one for his people and says, and I, I, I'm, I'm going to do I've always done what's in the best interest of this team and my players. And right now, the way this team is playing, the best thing is for me to step aside and let Gerard take over and see what he can do for the rest of the season. That's the only scenario and so yeah i think i think you're right i think the crafts are just things are things are best left unsaid if you don't have anything good to say don't say it at all and just let the season play out and then you know make your moves the greg bedard patriots podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the clns media network he's greg i'm nick we have more patriots issues to discuss not too surprised by this uh, we'll get into it in a minute, but first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. And, of course, our friends Odds Are, an app that combines AI and machine learning to suggest smart sports bets. All right, Greg, J.C. Jackson's been left at home. He's not making the trip to Germany. Jack Jones was also uh, benched against the Commanders for a little bit. Both guys causing some issues. Your thoughts? Uh, not a good place to be, obviously. Um, you know, I think this is emblematic of, you know, lost teams or losing teams, and that's where the Patriots are. Um, you know, there's a sort of a lot to dive into with, you know, Bill Belichick denies after the game that they're being benched. Mike Pellegrino goes on with the media and says that, you know, instead of talking about who wasn't out there, talk about who was out there and Sean Wade and what a great job he's done and all this stuff. And okay, fine. Okay, coach. Um, Then why did he only play 13 snaps? If he was the best cornerback for the team, why didn't he play more? Why didn't why did those guys come in and take his snaps? I mean, it's I don't know. It's just it, it's start it's starting to look like a clown show down there, and it's disappointing. And you know, from from what I hear, and look, this is I, I'm not reporting anything. You know, I I'm just sort of for the sake of conversation, and this is a podcast. I wouldn't write something like this, but just there's. There are a lot of rumblings that this is sort of the, I guess, how would I term it? This is sort of the tip of the iceberg with what's going on in the secondary room, that there might be more coming out in the next day or so about either or and or J.C. Jackson and Jack Jones and what's going on in the DB room. You know, that Jack Jones hasn't been spotted at practice that's pretty suspect. Um, it, it, you know, you would think, you know, I'm just going off of my history covering the league and I'm not, I'm not reporting anything. This is pure speculation and just my gut feeling from, from watching this from afar that there could be some sort of suspension coming, you know, whether that's gambling or PEDs or, you know, uh, you know, an internal suspension from something that happened with the team. I mean, that that I mean, Jack Jones, at least, is with the team and practicing. So that, I guess, is good on his part. But that J.C.'s not anywhere to be found. I don't know. That's kind of sketchy. I mean, even if he was hanging back, you know, wouldn't he be practicing? And so um, I think there are a lot of things going on and you're just fearful that, you know, more could be coming and how that's going to reflect on Bill Belichick and, and, and all that stuff. I just, it's just, this is what ha- happens when you're two and seven. If they were seven and two, nobody would be hearing about this stuff. Nobody would really care about this stuff. But when you're two and seven, um, this is the stuff that gets talked about. 
It speaks to the desperation of Belichick trying to win games right now. The fact that both of these guys played last weekend. Just desperate. He knows. He doesn't want Sean Wade out there playing the whole game. He doesn't want to elevate somebody from the practice squad with all the issues in the defensive backs right now. This is a desperate team. It's a desperate coach who's, who's trying to get every win he can to get closer to Shula. Inconsistencies too, Greg. How in the mm-hmm. world can you look Pop Douglas in the eyes after you benched him because you tried to make a play against Miami and then you put him in mothballs for a few weeks? How can you do that to that guy who has seemingly done everything right away from the field, on the practice field, you bench him and you treat him like he's a joke because of the fumble against Miami, but here you are playing both Jackson and Jones after these guys seemingly don't give an ish about anything. It's a lack of consistency from the head coach and a lack of accountability. He goes up to the podium last week. He had an opportunity. I'm not looking for him to bury his players, but he could have sent a message. Instead, he mm-hmm. defended him, and he, he did the same old Belichick. So Nick, to, fu- to, to, to further your point and sort of illustrate like how these things, these quote-unquote minor things become big issues on the team, you know, what if you're Adrian Phillips on this team, who is a veteran, played a lot of good football in this league for this team? He, he could barely get on the field. Jalen Mills, all right, he doesn't have quite the esteemed history that Adrian Phillips does, but the same sort of guy, a well-respected veteran player, has been around doesn't have much of a role on this team, can't get on the field, yet Jack Wagon 1 and Jack Wagon 2 can do whatever the hell they want, and they get on the field and play like, you know, 40, 50 snaps. You know, if I'm Adrian Phillips and I'm Jalen Mills, I'm like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, what is the point of this? And that's when dissension in the ranks, like, you know, guys start talking amongst themselves, like, what are we doing here? Why are we putting in the work you know, this, the old man doesn't know what the hell he's doing anymore. Like that, this is the stuff you're talking about. This is the stuff when you're inconsistent and especially treat, you know, younger talent, quote unquote, talented players this way, but you screw over veterans who do, who are there every day, do everything. Remember, remember that first year that Adrian was in, in, in New England and he basically had to play sub linebacker because they had no linebackers and the dude used to get pummeled by tackles and guards every single game, yet he was always out there doing his job. And, you know, he does those things for this team, and he, he doesn't get rewarded for it. And then these guys, who are obviously aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing in a variety of ways for, a long, for, for multiple years, get treated like this. It's just, it, it's not right. And you're setting a precedent. Like, the other guys in the room, they're looking at this and they're saying, all right, if those guys aren't going to be whole, held totally accountable, if they're going to do what they did and they still play against Washington, then why do I have to be a goody two-shoes? Why, why do I have to do everything the coach asks me to do? Those guys aren't doing it. Now, I'm not saying a lot of them will – not a lot of those guys in the locker room will do that. They're professionals, right? The vast majority of this locker room gets it. But it just sets a precedent. It's, it's so bad. It's so bad on so many levels, and it, it begs the question, Greg, of how many how many yes men are surrounding Belichick. There's no checks and balances. He does whatever he wants to do, um, and you know I'm sure not everybody agreed with Jackson and Jones playing last weekend. How could you? But it doesn't mm-hmm. matter because Belichick's got say, and we know the owner's not stepping in in the middle of the season with football matters. He didn't step in during the deadline, and you ended up holding on to Josh Uche instead of getting a fifth-round pick when the guy played 20% of the snaps. So Kraft's not stepping in. The, the Bill Belichick bubble, it, it is solidified in New England. He's got, he's got sons and former players on his staff. They're not going to step up and challenge him. He's going to do what he wants to do. And he's a guy who's absolutely desperate to win every game he can right now for a 2-7 and freaking seven football team. Uh, Adrian Clem is, one, uh, Clem is one of those coaches, Greg, not with the team sounds like a health situation as, as far as what Belichick shared yesterday. Yeah. Um, a couple of thoughts on this. Um, you know, if Belichick wasn't caught in a lie this weekend with the Jones and Jackson conversation, you'd just be like, okay, you know, it's definitely a health issue. Um, you know, I'm guessing that it is, um, you know, it's just, 
you know, when you don't tell the truth on something, then it snowballs. Now you're like, well, if you protected these guys now, you know, what is he doing? Is he doing that with Clem? You know, we don't know. Um, You know, hopefully Adrian Clem is doing okay. But you also have to put in, you also, you know, in this situation, you have to factor in his past. And, you know, given that Belichick didn't tell the truth on Jones and Jackson, and given that Adrian Clem didn't last the season in Pittsburgh, that when it became clear to him that he wasn't going to be brought back the next year by Mike Tomlin, he started looking at other jobs around this time last uh, when he was with the Steelers. You know, I, I have no insight on this. I can only I think it's fair to bring up um, just, you know, with the way the offensive line has gone. Maybe Clem's looking at this like, you know, you know, it looks like Bill's going to be out of job. He brought him. He brought me in here. I don't know what my future is. You know, what have you? Um, look, I it's probably a legit excuse. But, you know, when people have certain histories, you have to bring it up. And, and until it's ruled out, um, you know, it's sort of there. I would hope that Belichick's not using health as some kind of a crutch to get out of it. That would be brutal. Um, so hopefully he's not doing that and hopefully Clem's okay. I will say it'd be weird timing if it was Clem looking elsewhere or something like that, because the offensive lines actually played a bit better the last two weeks since it went to slipped the right tackle. Mm-hmm. So, um, yep. you know, maybe Clem's getting him going a little bit. Patriots in Germany, obviously on Sunday morning, Greg, a high profile game for the league. Only game on at nine 30 in the morning. Last time I checked. It begs the question, though, Robert Kraft, Jonathan Kraft, especially after what we saw, the video, uh, you know, all the posts about what Jonathan said to his father in the suite. Uh, do you think the Krafts will be visible this weekend or, or, or will they kind of hide in the shadows out there in Germany and enjoy some brats and Marzins? See, to me, Nick, that's the most interesting thing about this whole trip game um, you know, who the hell cares? Two and seven Patriots against the Colts. I mean, you know, n- nobody really cares. To me, the most interesting aspect of it is like, I'm sure you'll agree that if the Patriots were seven and two, first place in the AFC East, still the Patriots, you know, Robert would be all over the place, you know, on NFL Network, talking to the fans, like, you know, all over the place pregame, glad handing with everybody. You know he would be doing that. He would be just taking his victory lap. Now at two and seven, with an embattled coach, a team in a terrible spot, a lot of questions about the future. How many they've won one home game against the Bills? Otherwise, they've they've lost. They've gotten blown out at home. Um, you know, I, I could see the Crafts it, it, keeping a very low profile. I'll be very interested to see if Kraft goes on NFL Network or one of those pregame things uh, this week. Normally he would. And if he does, how does he answer the questions? Because those people, sorry, NFL Network, you have to do your job. You have yeah. to ask the question about where the team is, you know, about like, you know, Bill Belichick's future. Is a secure, you know, you have to ask those questions. And so to me, that's the most interesting aspect of all this is how visible are the crafts and what do they say if questions get put to them? It'll be fascinating. Of course, uh, they haven't said a lot during the year when they've had the opportunity to, even at certain points when Kraft usually would speak, he hasn't really spoken. So I don't think you'll see a lot of Kraft on uh, TV this Sunday uh, if, if he has a say so. But we'll see. Well, uh, what, Nick, would you take that as a – so if that happens, if Kraft keeps a low profile, doesn't answer any questions, isn't that visible, what does that say to you? I think it could say a couple things. I think it could say that he's just embarrassed about where the team is at right now and would rather just not talk about it. Um, I'd also say that that is the, the very opposite of the vote of confidence in Bill Belichick. You know, if, if he was if he was steadfast in keeping Belichick and confident in this program, then he would go out there and say, yeah, you know, it's it's not great this season right now, but we feel pretty good about things and where we're at. Uh, the fact that he's not speaking to the media, not showing his face an awful lot would tell me that he's probably stewing about what's going on and is going to say to himself, you know what? Some things are better left unsaid, especially during the season. Yep. 
I'm gonna let this puppy mm-hmm. lie, and then when the season's over, we're gonna we're gonna cut the cord. So, yeah, I I, I agree with you. I think that's if he doesn't say anything, it's just like you know, it, it, us answering. There's there's no there's no way they're gonna win answering the questions um, at this point. Like you know what. You know, any way he says it, if he just comes out and says, look, you know, we're disappointing, but we're disappointed, but there's still, you know, how many games left? Eight games left in the season. And, you know, we're looking to see some improvement or something like that. That's going to piss off the fans. Yep. You know, if he, if he takes a harder line, then that's going to irritate Belichick. And, you know, look, I, I, you know, I think all the talk about Bill possibly being fired if they lose this game it, I think is utterly ridiculous. Now we did talk in the last podcast about like, I think the, you know, the only possible outcome where Bill doesn't have his job after this week is if he, if he just takes one for the team, takes one for his people and says, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to do, I've always done what's in the best interest of this team and my players. And right now, the way this team is playing, the best thing is for me to step aside and let Gerard take over and see what he can do for the rest of the season. That's the only scenario. And so, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think the crafts are just things are things are best left unsaid. If you don't have anything good to say, don't say it at all, and just let the season play out. And then you know, make your moves. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action NFL. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including you got spreads, you got your player props, you got over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online, real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, Greg. Let's talk about some uh, mid-season awards. Pretty difficult to to you know pick some of these given they're two and seven. But let's roll with it. Let's start with the offense. Uh, offensive MVP. Okay, so I I have crunched my numbers. This is all mostly based on my film evaluation, and um, so for offensive MVP, um, not a whole lot to pick through. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, I would say that, you know, guys who were nominees for this, uh, you know, would be Hunter Henry, Kendrick Bourne, uh, Trent Brown, David Andrews. I'm going with David Andrews. I think uh, on a per snap basis this season, he's been the most consistent and best offensive player. Uh, the least amount of mental mistakes he was putting it put in a terrible position to start this year, basically being between you know, two rookies and everything else that was going on the offensive line and the, and the constant changes. And while, you know, the popular opinion around uh, among NFL scouts, which puzzles me a little bit, but I've heard it so often that I have to listen to it is that they think he's slowing down, but I'm sorry. I think he's still a really good player for this team. And given the circumstances, I think he's been really good for this team. I haven't crunched many numbers. I haven't watched the all 22. I'm going with Kendrick Bourne. Uh, I had a feeling you might go with David Andrews. I'm going to go with, uh, I'll go with Kendrick Bourne before the injury. I thought he was producing. He's not consistent all the time with the route running. We've talked about that, but this is somebody who I want to give him credit. You know, he, it, it sucks that his year ended the way it did, because this is somebody who didn't have to have a good year last year. He took accountability. He talked about some of the things that he had to straighten out, especially off the field. And he came in this year ready and prepared. 
and practiced hard and, and played pretty well. So I give a lot of credit to Kendrick Bourne. He didn't tap out. He didn't whine. He came back and he played well. All right. Uh, offensive least valuable player, Greg. Uh, Vidarian Lowe. Um, <laughs> you know, I feel bad for him. He was put in a bad position, you know, late <sighs> ad in camp. Didn't get much, uh, you know, didn't have much practice time. But I mean, at this point, uh, he's played, let's see, you know, 317 snaps. He leads the team by far, uh, even though Antonio Maffi's not far off. Uh, 24 total quarterback pressures allowed, including four sacks, six and a half run stuffs. Uh, in my ratings, he's a minus 14 percent, uh, which is uh, down certainly the the on the bottom for the offensive line. You know, put in a bad position, but you know, look, he was not good when he was out there. I'll go with uh, Captain Fingertips, Devontae Parker. <laughs> Sweet extension, Bill. Sweet extension, bro. Uh, offensive surprise, Greg. Pharaoh Brown. I think that he's done yeah. a really nice job, uh, you know, blocking uh, occasional big plays. He looks like a prototypical number two tight end, a guy who was added extremely late, but, you know, fit in uh, rather easily. Uh, I've been um, I was a little perplexed that he didn't have much of a role this past week. Um, you know, but I think he's been a really good player for them. Michael Wenu, I look at this differently. Surprise in the idea that he actually was moved, that Bill acquiesced and moved him to right tackle. And he's played pretty well there. And, and I know we'll get into this discussion much later on, Greg, but I'm the Patriots. I'm keeping him at right tackle. I'm paying him this offseason. Yep. And I'm going into next year with Michael Wenu at my right tackle. And if I can get Trent Brown on incentive-laden deal, I bring him back and I draft a young tackle. That's my offensive tackle plan. A Wenu, Brown, and a young guy maybe out of the second round, uh, depending on what you do in the first. That, that's what I would do. So a Wenu, the fact that they actually played him at right tackle, and uh, sounds like they're going to keep him there. All right, offensive disappointment. Mac Jones. You know, he just um, he has not played good football this year. He has, um, especially of late, outside of the fourth quarter against Buffalo, um, which ended up pulling up his final grade to a positive. Um, before that, the first three quarters, he was a negative. I mean, he's just been – what's interesting is that it has actually improved. Now, I was very frustrated with him this past weekend, but, you know, Dallas was the worst. The Saints wasn't much better. Vegas was a little bit better. Of course, he had the fourth quarter against Buffalo. Miami was a little bit better than Vegas. And then Washington was a little bit better than Miami. So I guess he is getting a little bit better. But overall, he just has not played winning football over the last uh, six weeks for the most part. Ramondre Stevenson's first six weeks. Last last two, three weeks, he's looked like a different guy. He's had that. I don't know if there was an injury situation. Of course, it, it, it really wasn't popping up on the report. But, uh, you know, I, I think the last two or three weeks, he has shown more juice. He's had better finish to his runs. Even last week as a receiver, it looked like he had a little bit more going on there. So, uh, But the first six weeks, I was very disappointed. I, I think Ramondre is a very talented guy, and I was disappointed the way he looked. Most improved? Kendrick Bourne. Um, not that I think he's all that different than he was his first year here, but considering where he was last year, you know, under Matt Patricia, basically in the doghouse, couldn't get on the field. Um, you know, when he was on the field, he was pressing a little bit. Um, you know, the difference to this year has been <clears throat> immense. And as you illustrated uh, earlier, he's been he's been a really good player um, for this team. So he's my most improved. Uh, I'll stick with Bourne as well. Least improved. Uh, least improved. Tyquan Thornton. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't even know what to say about him. Like, you know, he, I know he's missed a lot of practice time, but can't you, like, learn by watching film or watching practice? Like, you know, can't you still get better? Like, why is he still in the same place? I mean, I know practice is important and being out there and, you know, seeing what you're doing on film and then making corrections. I understand that. But, I mean, this guy is nowhere right now, Nick. Somebody tweeted at me. I wish I had their uh, handle. I, I laughed out loud when I saw it. I think they called them Twinkle Toes. 
I, I have a <laughs> yeah. I, I got Twinkle Toes Taekwon too with the little uh, the little tap dance Michael Flatley River Dance route that he oh, ran yeah. last week. At the top of that route last week. Oh yeah, that was something. What a joke. What if there was an app that used AI and machine learning to suggest smart sports bets? There is, and it's called Odds R. It is a mobile app you need to know what bets of the day are smart ones. Download the app, sign up for an account, and let the latest data analysis guide you through today's point spreads, money lines, and over-unders. I just did it. It's easy. If you see green, that's a smart bet. If you see yellow, you're on your own. If you see red, don't do it. Odds R doesn't take your bet. It makes you better at it. With Odds R on your mobile phone, you're a tap away from making a smart play. It's smart betting made simple. Find Odds R app in the App Store or on Google Play. Get a two-free-week trial. It's just 10 bucks a month after that. But hey, listen to that. That's for the usual people, the normal people. Listeners to this podcast, the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast, you actually get a special deal. Get your first 30 days of the app free. Just go to oddsr.com slash Bedard to download the app. That's oddsr.com slash Bedard. 30 days of smarter betting free. We'd call that a winning bet. The casinos and sportsbook want you to bet. Odds are wants you to win. Go get it. All right, so that was the offense. It was tough. Not much better the defense lately. But let's go to the defensive side of the football, Greg. Your defensive MVP. So uh, this is might be a little bit of a surprise, but... Um... Matthew Judon is still my highest rated defensive player on the team. Um, Christian Barmore was certainly in the conversation and I considered him. Um, But I just think, I think they've really missed Matthew Judon's finishing touch as far as pass rush. They've had to blitz a lot more when he's been out. That stress that, that that has stressed the secondary. They've given up a lot of big plays uh, the past couple weeks, which has really ended up, costing them in these games so to me even with the amount of time that he's missed and I think it's illustrated it Matthew Judon is the most valuable player on this defense I'm going Barmore he's becoming a beast in front of our eyes Barmore Duggar and Gonzalez are the three guys I would say are the future of this defense and start working around with those three, the middle. Put Duggar back in the box. Stop with the free safety plan, which is just a disaster. You know, put Duggar where he's the strongest. Extend him. Get Barmore an extension. Get that done early. And bring back Christian Gonzalez healthy next year. And at least you have three young guys who, and I know Duggar's not that young, but three younger guys who can give you at least some hope defensively moving into next season. Defensive least valuable player. JC Jackson. Um, he's been, he's been really bad since he's been back. I mean, some of it's been good, you know, but the way, the way I grade Nick is like, it's, it's hard for, you know, most of the time I don't give a plus or a minus for defensive back, like unless, um, unless they're involved in the play. So they're, you know, minuses, their pluses and minuses are always less than any other position. Um, you know, there will be the occasion when I think like the quarterback wants to go, to the guy in his first read, but he's well covered. I give them a plus. He ends up throwing at somebody else. But, you know, to put it in perspective, so, you know, he's played basically like half the snaps of, you know, most people in the secondary. Um, I have him at this point for three plus plays, 15 and a half negative plays. Uh, to put that in perspective, you know, Miles Bryant, who everybody loves to kill, has 10 plus plays and 10 minus plays. J.C. Jackson's been bad. He deserves to be benched. He deserves to be sent home. He deserves to be cut, you know, uh, frankly. And, you know, like you illustrated before, you know, the only reason that he and Jack Jones are even out there is because Christian Gonzalez is hurt and Marcus Jones is hurt and they have nobody else out there and they don't want to put Sean Wade out there no matter what Pellegrino has to say. And so to me, it's – it's it's tough because he's been, he's just got here and he hasn't played a ton, but he has not been good. Yeah, I had Jackson down as my guy too. And, and when the trade was made, 
I really liked it. I said, look, if you could get like 80% of what JC was the last time he was here, it's an obvious upgrade over Sean Wade. And he's still probably an upgrade over Sean Wade. But I thought, you know, Mm -hmm. low risk, high reward. Well, apparently not. I mean, the risk, this guy kind of, uh, I don't want to say ruining the locker room because that's way too strong. But being being the problem he is being, uh, there is some risk to that. More risk than I thought. I thought this guy would look at it and say, man, I sucked with the Chargers. Uh, Yeah, maybe I feel like I was misused, but I I have some pride on the line here. And I want to continue to play the football and and prove to people that I'm not that guy. And it hasn't worked out that way. Uh, Defensive surprise, Greg. Defensive surprise. Uh, Keon White. Now, look, we were both high on him after his preseason and training camp. Um, You know, we... We knew he looked really good. Uh, we just wondered how much playing time he was going to get, and which really held in the early part of the season until Judon went down. So he's gotten the opportunity to play more standing up on the edge. Um, that was something that we weren't quite sure about either. You know, he, he played with his hand in the dirt a lot in college. So the combination of him uh, playing from a two-point stance, uh, getting more frontline edge reps I think he's done really well with them I mean he hasn't been a complete beast on the edge and sometimes he's gotten his butt whooped uh, but you know that happens as a rookie life comes at you fast when you're in in the NFL but he's a smart kid he cares a lot he's going to learn but I've been surprised at a little bit surprised at how effective he's been and is I will say this the other thing is his mental errors aren't very much they they're very minimal and so um, I think he's done a really good job. Yeah, I screwed the pooch. I, I, I have to add Keon White to the other guys that I talked about just a moment ago. You know, Duggar, Gonzalez, the younger guys, that young Barmore. Uh, you can add White onto that list of, of young defensive players that should have you excited. Um, so, yeah, he's been good. My surprise is the secondary and just how bad it's been. E- even without, like... I know Gonzalez isn't there. I get it. But last year, this defensive backfield wasn't giving up chunk play after chunk play after chunk play. And Gonzalez was at college. So just how bad they are back there. It just missed assignments, coverage busts, bad tackling. It's it's just not good. Uh, Defensive disappointment. Josh Uche. Um, yeah. You know, he's in a contract year, uh, you know, plenty of reps against the pass. Um, I think I have him for seven total quarterback pressures at this point. Um, you know, just not anywhere good enough, anywhere near good enough. He he needs to be more impactful. You know, he's just running by the quarterback or just running up the field more often than not. And um, so to me, uh, you know, I figured in a contract year, he'd be a complete beast this year. Hasn't happened. Yeah, I'm with you on Uche. I'll give you another one. Just the free safety position. This will go down in, mm-hmm. in the line of Belichick not figuring out how to handle a position when somebody leaves. It goes back to the Gronk tight end days. It goes back to, you know, the right tackle situation. It goes back to quarterback. Uh, you know, this idea of we'll replace Devin McCourty with pretty much just a bunch of people and throw them against the wall and see who sticks. Hasn't worked out. Most improved. Most improved. Um, Christian Barmore. You know, not that what he's doing is was not expected. It's just you know where he was last year, and he lost a lot of time last year. When he, as we've illustrated in the past, when he did come back at the end of the year, he actually played a lot better than people you know understood. Um, you know, so to me, you know, where he was last year and to where he is now, especially where he's the way he's played over the last uh, five or six weeks, uh, I think he's been uh, vastly improved and is becoming the player that we figured he would become. Anthony Jennings, yeah, he, he went from yep. a guy who wasn't really part of the plan at all, going through injuries and stuff like that. And since Judon's injury, he's done a pretty good job. He's accounted well for himself, plays the edge well. So I'll give Jennings some credit there. Uh, least improved. Kyle Duggar. Yep. Um, he, you know, in my ratings to this point, he is dead even. Same number of plus plays, same number of minus plays. He is tied for 
the most big plays allowed. Uh, he, I think he's given up the most touchdowns uh, with three. I'm sorry if, and this is the same conversation we've had for years about Kyle Duggar. You know, he is extremely talented. Do I think he's been put in the best position to succeed by this coaching staff? No, especially with the whole free safety stuff that you brought up. You know, having him back there, like, he should just be a box safety. He should be there, Jamal Adams. And they're just not doing that enough. If they did that, he would impact more games, but they're not doing it. So it's not all his fault. But the bottom line is he's, he's not playing winning football often enough. You know, he just he, he needs to be on the plus side a lot more. And he's just not. He's just sort of he, as many plays as he makes, he gives up. And it's been the same way throughout his entire career. He's 27 going on 28. Like it needs to be better. So to me, he's the same exact player he's always been. So to me, he's the least improved. Yeah, he was on my list as well. He, he was my guy. And I know I just said that he should be a part of the field. I still feel that way. But as as Greg said, Make him a box safety. You know, put him out there to do what he does best. It's kind of similar like Marte Mapu. You draft Mapu in the third round. Mm-hmm. He played in the box at Sacramento State. Why are we not trying to play that guy as an athletic linebacker on the second level? You're, you're throwing him out there free safety and then playing him in the back end where he's just he's giving up big plays two weeks in a row. I just I don't get so much about what, what they're doing right now. Um, with that said, just kind of your overall thoughts on the program here at the halfway point. So uh, two things I wanted to bring up and sort of you know, ask you as well. So you, basically, like, what, what are the th- what's the thing that you're most optimistic about with this team? And uh, it's, it's a tough question. Um, I, I find myself going back and forth, but my, my first, and this is going to seem strange considering what we started off this podcast talking about and what we've talked about sort of sporadically in this podcast. Um, I actually feel okay about the cornerbacks now, hold on, (laughs) um, (laughs) you know, I, so let's just, mostly it's about Christian Gonzalez. Like I, you know, I think they I, I think they hit a complete home run with that kid. I think he's unbelievable. I gave thought to giving him defensive MVP for how good he was early on in the season and how things have sort of fallen apart. I think, you know, with with Christian Gonzalez, with Jonathan Jones, and I'm just going to leave Jack, uh, J.C. Jackson and Jack Jones off to the side for a second, but just Gonzalez, Jonathan Jones and Marcus Jones. Now, Marcus Jones, before he got hurt, wasn't doing that great. But I, I have confidence in the kid. I think he has a lot of skill. I think he can get there. Is he getting the right coaching? I don't know. But I will say, just because of Christian Gonzalez, I feel a lot better about their, their future at the cornerback position than I did going into this year. And if they could somehow get Jack, uh, J.C. Jackson and Jack Jones on the reservation, which I am not optimistic about very much, I would rather see those guys gone, You know, bring in another cornerback, to sort of bring up that depth uh, in the offseason. But with Christian Gonzalez, I feel good about their cornerback position for now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The makings of a of a pretty good, talented offensive uh, defensive line, rather. Uh, the idea of Keon White, he continues to develop and improve. Just him and Barmore both playing significant stat, snaps on that defensive line. Judon coming back from the injury. Uh, we'll see how they handle his contract situation. But, you know, Judon coming back. Even somebody like Jennings, who has proved that he can be a rotational guy on the edge. You know, you, you go out and you find another pass rusher who can who can play the edge better than Uche, you know, via the draft or free agency, your, your defensive line isn't isn't looking too bad. So I, I think they've got some pieces there that they could work with. And also Pop Douglas. I mean, I, I think we should all be optimistic about Pop. Given the situation, uh, you know, what he's been dealing with, I, I think he has shown 
some of that potential that everybody was discussing uh, in, in the preseason and during camp. And you already mentioned Gonzalez. He stays healthy. He's a stud. Biggest frustration? Well, I mean, there's so many things. With, <laughs> so many things uh, with this team. Um, but you, list. look, you have to look at the <laughs> – yeah. yeah. Let's just start with uh, – I would say the offense just – Overall, uh, the future of the offense, like what's the future? What are the building blocks as far as the offense? Like maybe interior offensive line. I mean, cause look at, it. you know, say Trent Brown and Michael Wenu are, are playing, playing well at tackle this year. They're both free agents. They both could be gone. There's no tight ends, not even Pharaoh Brown are under contract for next year. They could be gone. Kendrick Bourne, who's your best wide receiver, is a free agent. You know, you got Devontae Parker and Juju Smith-Schuster. Wonderful. You know, at, at, at the position. And then, of course, you know, there's, of course, there's Mac Jones, who, you know, has improved slightly over the last six weeks, but it's been like, you know, incremental. And so it's, it, it's, you know, a lot of people have wondered, you know, and I'm, Nick, I'm sure you get this a lot, too. You know, people are just like, you know, I was asked, I'm asked on either Felger or Maz or on TV last night, like, are you out on Mac Jones? And and I, I haven't said that I'm totally out yet. And people will get, why don't you say it? What are you waiting for? Like, you know, because first of all, I care about the opinion I put out there. Like, I'm not a talk show host that I can just say one thing one day and then it's proven, it's, it's proven to be the opposite the next day and just everything just keeps going. Like... You know, I, I don't say anything until I'm reasonably sure. And I've seen things happen in the NFL where, you know, right now, Mac Jones, and I don't know the reason for it. You know, the, it, every you could talk to different people around the NFL, around this team. They will have different opinions on why, you know, Mac Jones's career has gone the way it's gone. You know, there's the whole Matt Patricia stuff last year. There's his attitude. There's this. There's that. All I could tell you is that, the promise in, in terms of his mind and decision-making has evaporated. It's like his wiring got screwed up. Now, do I know it was always there at the beginning? No, I don't, because I know Josh McDaniel staged managed him very tightly that first year, probably more than people realize. And so was he ever going to be able to take off the training wheels fully and become a fully formed quarterback? I can't tell you that. All I can tell you is, where he is right now, and that is he's all messed up in the head. He's not reading out plays. He's not sticking with plays. He's not delivering the ball where he should. He's not doing the things that I've seen him do at times during his career, and that's where he is right now. But that's not to say that, you know, this week against the Colts, for whatever reason, the light could go on. It happens. It happens in the NFL. So I'm not going to completely write him off. But I do think if it doesn't get appreciably better this week against the Colts, yes, I think his job is on the line. Yes, I think his future in New England is on the line. But I'm not ready to say I'm totally out on him. But just, you know, in general, the thing I'm most frustrated about is that because of Bill's Bill's attitude towards offense, this team is nowhere on offense. They have no future. They have no present. And it's all because of Bill and his attitude towards offense. And it looks even more outdated in today's game. So my, I guess my biggest frustration is with Belichick and offense and how he's left this team with no future on that side of the ball. My biggest frustration is they stink. That's it. They stink. <laughs> Two and seven. Uh, as far as uh, I talked about this on, on on my podcast yesterday, the Nick Cattle Show, if you want to check it out. And thanks to everybody who has subscribed and, and, and followed the show, jumping from here to there to, to keep an eye on, on my solo stuff as well. I appreciate it. But, uh, you know, I talked about I'll give you the gist. I, I don't think this quarterback plan is really that difficult to figure out. I, I don't think this is rocket science. Mac Jones has not earned the job to be QB one next year. Nobody would say that he has. You have to earn that position, right? If you have a top three pick, a top five pick, and you think you can get a generational quarterback, somebody who would be seen as a top eight QB at the NFL level, you can't pass that guy up. The only way you can pass that kind of guy up is if you have somebody who already is a top five to eight quarterback in the league. 
So if you're sitting there in the top three and Drake May's there, you you run the card up to the podium. This isn't difficult. If you if you think mm-hmm. that generational quarterback's available, if you don't have a shot at one of those guys, and we talk about that next tier of quarterbacks, then you pick one of those guys, you bring them in next year, and you have a competition between them and Mac. You spend a third-round pick or a fourth-round pick on a, on a rookie quarterback like you did on Zappi. You missed on Zappi. Belichick it hopefully is not picking the next guy in that third or fourth round. You bring that guy in. Maybe you even sign a veteran quarterback. And you have a quarterback competition in camp next year. And, and that way, you bring in more talent offensively. You have, whether well, it's Bill O'Brien coming back or a new offensive mind, however all of that shakes out, you then start and say, we've got Mac under $3 million. We've got a middle round, young, projectable, possible starting quarterback. And we've got this veteran guy who's kind of hung around. Let's see who plays the best. Whoever plays the best starts week one. That, that to me, is what you do. You, you don't reach for a quarterback. You don't scramble for a quarterback. If you're in position to land one of those guys, you land one of those dudes. And you say, okay, we're going to move on from Mac now. You can even try to have a competition and let the new, you know, the, that young dude win the job in camp if you'd like. But I don't think it's really that difficult. Like, I don't think Mac Jones is a complete waste. I still believe that he could be a quarterback in the league. I just, we talked about it last pod. You know, confidence is shattered. I don't think he trusts the guys that are out there for the most part. The head coach has embarrassed him reportedly alienated him um and i just i think mac needs to get away <laughs> you commercial you need to get away ding i think he needs to get away like he he needs to get away clear his head go to tom house again like he did in 22 or maybe go to somebody else work on his mechanics get his feet right get his mind right and get away from bill belichick because i just think those guys are just it, it's just I don't think Mac feels confident, um, and some of that's on Mac, no doubt. But I do think it's it's all a part of the story the last two and a half years of how he was handled and what was done. And if you think he sucks, fine, okay. Opinions are cool. I have them. You have them. Uh, but I, I would just say I don't think he was given a chance to prove to the world that he could be a legitimate starting quarterback in this league by what he was given. So it's unfortunate. It is what it is. He hasn't earned a job for next year. That's how I would roll with it. Uh, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. We'll get to the Colts in a minute. The exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. New customers receive 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. All right, quick uh, Colts preview for the people out there, Greg. So this is a very game Colts squad. I mean, they don't have Anthony Richardson at, at um at quarterback, um, he's out for the year. They they have Gardner Minshew, who's I don't know. He's always one of my favorite players to watch. Like he just, you never know what you're going to get. That's good and bad, um, you know. But I think you know Shane Steichen. I think has done a really nice job. I think you know you look at if you put a lot of stock into DVOA, which I do. Um, you know the the Colts are, uh, are a better team than the Patriots. They're ranked 17th overall, and I think they're 12th in offense, 12th in defense. They're bad on special teams, but so are the Patriots, um, you know, so I think this is a tough matchup. And I think this is, you know, these, you know, the long plane ride and all this stuff. And it's a little bit longer for the Colts. But, you know, this is when you need a little bit of uh, youth, a little bit in the enthusiasm that, you know, we're going in the right direction. And I think that's more of the Colts than the Patriots. I could see the Patriots laying a big fat egg on <laughs> Sunday. Um, you know, one thing to watch and I'll be, I haven't watched a ton of film on him, but I know that Bernard Raymond, the left tackle for the Colts, um, according to PFF, he's one of the top left tackles in the league. I find that interesting and noteworthy because guess what? The Colts made him, wasn't sure. I remember him coming out in the draft in 2022. Weren't sure whether he, he was sort of a project out of central Michigan. Weren't sure whether he was going to be a left tackle or right tackle. You know, but look like a good developmental prospect. You know, the Colts took him in the third round in 2022. And now they have their future left tackle. You know, this is what I've wanted the Patriots to do for a couple of years running. And, you know, it, it just something to note when you're watching this game. Um, you know, 
good, solid defense. DeForest Buckner is is a game wrecker on the interior. Um, you know, uh, Kenny Moore's really good cornerback. I like the weapons on this team. Josh Downs is another young uh, slot jittery guy that I liked in the draft. That'll be interesting to watching watching him in this game. Uh, Taylor, the running back, should get more of a load in this game. Jonathan Taylor. But Moss has also been really good. So they, they run the ball creatively. The Patriots are pretty good against the run. They got to get the ball, uh, get the game into Minshew's hands and hope he isn't uh, hot. Like he can, he can get hot at times and really uh, rip you up. So um, I like the Colts in this matchup. They're favored. Uh, I like the Colts probably by a touchdown in this game. But I do like uh, – actually, no, I don't like the over. I like the under – with those guys traveling, the legs, the, the you know jet lag, all that stuff, I, I think it's going to be uh, a sleepy game. <laughs> Great. Um, I will <clears throat> probably be hungover as shit down here in Virginia Beach. So uh, what, what I will say is I'm not picking the Patriots the rest of this year. Spite, bitterness, couldn't care less. I'm angry at them. Um, I keep picking them to win games even against teams – that they, I thought they should beat, like last week against Washington. That's a winnable game. Until they actually start proving it, I'm done. So, and I think the Colts are are a tough matchup. So I'm done with picking the Patriots. I'm picking the Colts. Lay the point and a half, and uh, I'm gonna go with the over, just because this defense is giving up so many chunk plays. I gotta believe that the Colts might be able to put up a 24 or 27 spot. So. I'll, I'll go with the over and I'll go with the Colts. Don't forget, BSJ, 50 bucks for the year. Bedard, Giardi, Corrales, Haggerty, all sorts of stuff happening there. Check them out. BSJ, best sources around. Give the most accurate reporting uh, on your football team, especially with Greg and Mike. All right, we'll see what happens on Sunday morning. Back on uh, early next week to recap things. And, hey, the way this thing's going, maybe more drama. We'll talk to you then. FanDuel is the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL.